0: Well, guys, uh, I'm not accustomed to sharing, but I was asked to several months ago and said yes because I felt the Lord would have me do so, and um, I put together some things. There's a whole lot more to my story than this, but this is what what came out, and um, okay, Psalm 107 begins with, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Well, by the Lord's mercy, I am redeemed and I do have a story. For an introduction, let me just say that as the guys in my foxhole know, I participate in Celebrate Recovery and Celebrate Recovery is a Christian 12-step program. I say this because I'd like to introduce myself the way I do when I am in a Celebrate Recovery group. And the introduction goes like this, I am a grateful believer in Jesus Christ who struggles with an addiction to lust, as well as obsessive compulsive tendencies that gets me in trouble in other areas. One thing I've come to realize over the years is that each one of us has his own unique story. And although each of our stories is unique to ourselves, It is composed of that which is common to most all of us. So I begin my story back in 1974 when I was 22 years old in Dallas, Texas. I met my wife there in a church, and one year later we were married. Well, this church we were in turned out to be a very unhealthy place. In fact, I now identify it as a cultic church because of some of its teachings and spiritual control it imposed over its members. Coming out of that situation is a story in itself, for it was long and painful, eventually causing us to move to Clarksville, Arkansas in 1991. Through much professional counseling and soul searching, I came to realize what it was that made me susceptible to even get into a situation of such spiritual abuse. Due to childhood issues of neglect and abuse, I was longing for affirmation, longing for confirmation, longing for approval. It was in this need to have these longings fulfilled that positioned me to be subjected to such an environment of spiritual abuse. Jesus said to love your neighbor as yourself. Because I viewed myself through a lens, filtered with inferiority complex, self-loathing, loving my neighbor as myself was problematic. This is why I was so desperately seeking approval and affirmation. Also, my obsession to be a totally committed Christian set me up to be a candidate for this cultic. This really trips me up because this Christian group was militant in their approach to Christianity and this appealed to my obsessive-compulsive nature. Like I referenced earlier, I have an addiction to lust. It is not easy to admit to, but to tell my story, I must speak of this. It seems as this lust is something that has always been there and it became increasingly out of control, dominating my life. When I speak of lust, I do not mean premarital sex, extramarital affairs, strip joints, or even porn. But in my own personal experience, it was lustful looking and developing a fantasy love life that became totally offensive to my wife and to God's spirit within me. I say this in the context of speaking of my obsessive, compulsive drive to live the Christian life with its spiritual disciplines. These two things, number one, being obsessed to live the Christian life with its spiritual disciplines, and number two, having an addiction to lust that totally dominated my being left me in a state of being absolutely miserable. And this miserable state persisted for years. Eventually, I gave up. For a period of 13 years, I made a deliberate decision to stop going to church and practicing the various spiritual disciplines. For example, for years I read three Old Testament and three New Testament chapters daily. During these 13 years I doubt I read the Bible a total of two, two hours. I was in so much shame, guilt, and condemnation because of continuing in my sexual addiction and so frustrated with not being able to break free from it, that I, in essence, had given up. In fact, during this time, my daughter and son-in-law had me on a prayer chain asking others to pray for me because, in their words, I had given up. It was in this context that my wife left me. She did not leave me because of the sexual addiction issues, but because I was not seeking help to overcome those issues. In March of 2015, in desperation, I reached out for help, and to my last breath, I will give thanks that I indeed found help. I went to Dallas for a three-day workshop-type conference with New new Life Ministries called Every Man's Battle. Their number had been on my phone for at least five years, but I had never called them. At this point, I need to back up to explain what I believe is the difference as to why I now call them, whereas before I had never done so before. Six to eight months earlier, I'd gone into a bookstore with the intention to go to their uh, photography section to look at what was to me porn. Upon going in, I gravitated to the Christian literature section. Do you see the dual conflict that was going on in me here? In the Christian literature section, my eyes landed on a book entitled Fasting, right here. I opened it and ended up buying it. Upon reading it, I was impressed and gradually started to practice some fasting in my life. I believe it was the power associated with fasting that made the difference for me to finally make the call to every man's battle a call I had not made during the past years. While at this weekend, for the first time, I saw other men who also struggled with sexual addiction but were out from under its dominant control. To my utter surprise, I learned that sexual addiction is not about sex. Sexual addiction is about the lack of intimacy in relationships. I began to understand that my living in a realm of fantasy lovemaking was actually my escaping from a deficiency of real relationships. I discovered that intimacy in relationships is about how well one is being known. And in this area, I was bankrupt. I readily recognized my being bankrupt in the realm of genuine relationships. That is, an allowance of myself to be vulnerable so as to be fully known and accepted. Becoming aware of this is one thing, while doing something about it is another. I prayed for the Lord to give me direction and even creativity as to what to do. This may sound strange, but the first thing I did was to buy a bicycle. I did this because there were a couple of guys I knew in Fayetteville who rode bikes on Fridays, so I would occasionally ride with them. But the main thing I did was to ride in my rural area near Clarksville and drop in on people I knew. People I would wave at when our vehicles passed or give a greeting to if seen in Walmart. It was a big success. There was one guy I had known this way for 20 years or so. Eventually, he and his wife moved in across the road from us. From our front porch, I could see their house off a couple hundred yards. One day, I met him at Walmart, and in talking, I found out that due to an accident, he had been laid up in his house for nine months, never leaving, while he recovered from his burns. Not knowing this had happened, I never visited him. He and his wife had a child. And as time went by, I would enjoy seeing the three of them out in the field as their child rode a pony, and eventually watched the mother see her child onto the school bus. Then one day I read in the obituary of the local paper that the mother had died of cancer. Again, they lived across the road from me with all that suffering going on, yet I was not aware of it. Well, he and his daughter moved about a half a mile away, and one day I just showed up on my bike. The timing was a God thing, because that day happened to be his wife's birthday, and he was suffering severely. Even his eight-year-old daughter asked if I wanted to go riding bikes with her, which we did. I give this just as an example of what I did in the beginning to endeavor to pursue proactively pursue relationships. After moving to Northwest Arkansas in November 2015, my wife and I did get back together after six and a half years of separation. I had a knee replacement, and she helped me as I convalesced. After which, though, she asked me to move out. After six weeks, I did move back in, but this shows Things weren't really going great between us at this time. After my knee replacement, I joined up with several different men-oriented ministries, Celebrate Recovery with the Men's Step Study, More Than Conquerors, The Journey, and of course Convoy with the Foxhole that started out with Carl and Colin. It was in a More Than Conquerors meeting that one brother made the statement that he felt God speaking to him to serve his wife. That registered in me as exactly what God would have me focus on. And so began one of the most incredible chapters of my life as I began to learn how to serve my wife. In July of this year, two things happened that were of significance. Number one, I was doing my daily reading in Proverbs when I came across Proverbs 13:12. "Hope deferred makes the heart sick." I had quoted this verse to myself many times over those 13 years, and in the past three years have made reference to it when speaking to others about my past experiences. But it was not until in July that I came across this verse in my daily reading, that I remembered the second half of it. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is as a tree of life. I now own the second half of this verse rather than the first half. When I came home and shared this with my wife, she immediately said, I've had my longing fulfilled, and that is my marriage. The second item of significance in July was when my wife had been on the phone speaking with her cousin. When she was done, she told me that part of the conversation was telling her cousin that I was the happiest she had ever seen me. We have now been married 43 years, and both of us, and for both of us, it is better now than ever before. In John 10:10, Jesus says, "The thief comes to kill, steal and destroy' I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. I sincerely believe that our relationships with one another is a secret to this abundant life. But Satan also knows this and is seeking to do all he can to kill our relationships, steal our relationships, and destroy our relationships. I have learned that to have relationships, I need to be constantly, proactively pursuing others. This is proven to help put a check on my sexual addiction. In closing, I'd like to refer to Genesis 2.18, which says, It is not good for the man to be alone. So, here is a man in a perfect environment before Satan has done any killing, stealing, or destroying, and yet God recognizes he has an unmet need. That need is companionship, relationship. And so I would simply encourage each of you to be proactive to pursue intimacy in relationships with your wife and with who, all who are in your life. Thank you all.